0: Pretty fitting couple of songs this morning. I want to ask the question, when you think about the kingdom of God, when you picture in your mind's eye the kingdom of God, when you hear about it, when we sing about it, what do you think about when you think about the kingdom of God? If you're like me, when I think about the kingdom of God, I think about Jesus. And I can't help but think about the kingdom and not think about the king of that kingdom, Jesus. And I I think about what we're just singing about. Can you imagine seeing him face to face, actually being in the presence of Jesus and on that day worshiping my savior, Jesus. And when I think about the kingdom, I have to think about my king, Jesus, and how awesome that is, how marvelous that is. When I think about the kingdom, I think about the throne room. And I remember the description there in the book of Isaiah and the description there in the book of of Revelation and how grand that must be, how majestic, how marvelous that must be. And I I try to imagine the throne room there and there's the the 24 thrones and there are the the 24 elders and they're robed in their white white robes and, and there's those that represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. And I remember as I start to picture that scene that the Bible says as smoke would fill the room, can you picture this? So his glory is gonna fill that room and, and to show his regal majesty, the, the, the robe, his robe is gonna push back to the corners of the room and I try to picture that scene and then can you imagine all of the angels there, all of the host of heaven and I can, I can almost hear them as they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and is to come. Can you imagine, can you see the throne room? How awesome that must be. When I think about the kingdom of God, I think about how it will be there, how it will be when the kingdom is fully and finally established. And the Bible says there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. And I try to picture that and the the former things will have passed away and there's gonna be no more pain and no more suffering and no more sickness or death. The Bible says there'll be no longer any sorrow or any mourning and, and there won't be any crying. It says for God himself will wipe the tears away from his people's faces. There's not gonna be any more night there. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, he's gonna be the light that illumines the kingdom. And can you imagine this? No more sin. No more sin. No more the effects of sin. Can you imagine how it's gonna be in the kingdom of God? When I think about the kingdom of God, I think about those who will be there. Really, you could just go on and on with this, but I think about some of those who will be there. Over there, there's Moses, the obedient servant. I can't go, Lord, I'm I'm not writing my speech. The obedient servant, he led God's people, and the Bible says he doesn't get to enter into the promised land, but there, I'm gonna see him, and he's gonna be in the promised land. Or over there, hey, look, there's, there's Joshua, old steady Eddie Joshua, and when he was a young man, the conviction of his heart, he stood against the majority. And when he was an older man there at the end of his life, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you look there in the kingdom, there's Joshua. Or hey, look over there, there's Paul, the broken-hearted slave of Jesus. The one who once he had an experience with Jesus, everything in his life changes the guy that actually said, you know what, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, it's okay. And there's old Paul. Lately, I can't help but think, hey, there's my dad. And he's moving fast again and he's laughing. Hey there, Hey, there's my dad. Think about some of the folks that that we saw accept Christ and their lives were changed and and we as a church had the privilege to baptize them and now they've passed on. Think about Wayne Byrd and Jeannie Nail and there's a whole bunch of others that they're there. And you know what? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation and they're there in the kingdom even now. These are amazing, amen. Amazing, awesome, true things. But I want to tell you today, there is a picture that sometimes we neglect. There's a picture that sometimes, and I understand, but we want to gloss over it, and it's just as real, and it's just as valid of a picture, and really it is a necessary picture, and it's a picture of God's judgment and the kingdom of God. Today, we're going to finish up our section of verses on the kingdom of God, and we're going to see God's kingdom is ushered in through God's judgment. Our message today is entitled, Destruction and Deliverance, Destruction and Deliverance. Our verses, Luke chapter 17, today, verses 26 through the end of the section, verse 37. Luke 17, again today, verses 26, going through verse 37 I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word, destruction and deliverance. <clears throat> Beginning here in the 26th verse, and Jesus is speaking, and he says this, and just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you that on that night, there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. And answering, they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for you, Jesus. I'm thankful for you, my Savior, my hope. My strong foundation that that endures, we come and I praise the name of Jesus Christ. I come today and I'm thankful for the word of God and I pray today as we begin to study it that Lord, you would open it up, that you would make it plain to us, that we would understand it, that it would would grip us, that it would change us, that that it would convict us if it has to, that we would not be the same having studied the awesome, astounding word of God. We come today and we we just tell you what a privilege it is to have it, what a privilege it is to be part of a church, what a privilege it is to come and to honor the name on the Lord's Day of Jesus. Move in our midst this morning and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, the last two weeks we've been looking at some verses here in Luke chapter 17. And the the verses are about the kingdom of God. And we've been looking at what is the kingdom of God. Well, in these verses, in these two weeks, we've established really some huge truths about God's kingdom. Now, we've stacked up a pretty good understanding, but we've, we've looked at really some pretty huge truths about the kingdom of God. Now, the first thing, if you remember this, is this. God's kingdom is right now In Jesus Christ, it has already begun. It is is right now in Christ Jesus, but it's also not yet. And so we understand the kingdom of God is right now, but it's also not yet. We saw that the full and final realization of the kingdom of God is coming and will be established in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we have this thing to try to hold on to. The kingdom of God is right now, but also the kingdom of God is not fully realized and it's also at the same time, not yet. It will be fully ushered in with the second coming of Jesus. The second thing we saw is that the kingdom of God is different from all other kingdoms in that, in God's system, in God's kingdom, the king is the kingdom. Now, if you think about that for just a second, other kingdoms, when the king is gone, he's replaced. If he lives long enough to pass away, or if he's overthrown, when he's gone, the kingdom goes on, and the king is replaced. Well, understand, in in God's system, the king, Jesus is the kingdom. That's why it says the kingdom is here in your midst on this day. And so the truth of that is if you reject the king, if you miss the king, you reject and you miss the kingdom. In God's system, the king is the kingdom. Then the third thing we saw last week is that the kingdom of God comes through the cross of Calvary. And we really have to see the price the sacrifice that our Savior paid for us to enter into the kingdom of God. For us, there would be no kingdom apart from the cross of Calvary, the suffering of our Lord Jesus. So we see the kingdom of God comes through the cross of Calvary. And then that brings us up to our verses today. We've got a lot to see today, a lot to unpack today. And so let's begin. Now, Let me start off by saying, and it is a complicated thing, and sometimes it is hard for us to discern where the Bible is talking about the rapture and where the Bible is talking about the second coming. That is a complex thing to understand for sure, and sometimes when we read in Scripture, it's hard to understand, is it talking about the rapture here or is it talking about the second coming? Both of those are end-time events, Sometimes they're used interchangeably, but be sure they are two separate events with two very big impacts. They have a big significance. Now, without going too crazy, uh, let me lay out the difference here between the two. Now try and understand this. The rapture is when Christ comes for believers, when he comes for his church. The Bible says on that day we will meet him in the air. The second coming is after the rapture, and he comes to the earth with the church. In the rapture, he comes for the church, and we leave. In the second coming, he comes with the church, and he comes to the earth. Now, in the rapture, the main thing of the rapture is deliverance for believers. But in the second coming, the main thing is judgment for non believers. Believers. Two big differences. The rapture takes place before the tribulation. The second coming takes place after the tribulation. And let me just go ahead and tell you there are some who disagree with this. There are some that do not follow this logic, logic or this line of thought, but I'm going to have to go with what the Bible says. That was a joke. The rapture comes before the tribulation, the second coming comes after. The rapture seems to be a secret event. Now believers are going to hear and they're going to see and then they're going to go and they're going to meet them in the air. But be sure the second coming will be a well-known event. It will be an unmistakable event. There will be no denying the second coming of Jesus Christ. Be very clear in that. Now think about this one. The rapture could happen at any time. Now, I'm not sure we're getting that today. Listen, today, after lunch, right now, in this service, tomorrow morning, the rapture could happen at any time. But the second coming comes only after several events take place. One of them is the rapture. One of them is the tribulation. And so hopefully we're not too mixed up after going through that. But understand today, all of that means this. The events that we're looking at today, the ushering in of God's kingdom fully and finally comes with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so I'm saying all that to say this. The verses we are looking at today are describing the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is what we're looking at in our verses today. Now there's some big, big stuff, and so here we go. Let's begin by looking at our verses. Verse 26. (coughs) And Jesus says, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now listen and start to build the picture here. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. In the way that it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus comes again. Now, first off, see the picture here. We're going to add to the picture as we move along. See the picture. In the days of Noah, the Bible says the world is exceedingly wicked. That's what the Bible says of those days. In Genesis chapter 6, it says the wickedness of man was great. The wickedness of man was great. It says the intent of his thought of the thoughts of man's hearts was only evil continually. Now, what that means is before Noah and before the ark and before the flood, men had become wicked. Men were very evil. Not only that, their minds were conceiving new evil. And what they thought about and what they only thought about was more evil. Well, Jesus says it's gonna be the same way when Jesus comes again as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, we're gonna have some more description. Let's go on and look at verse 27. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, I want you to hear that again. Stack it up on the picture. And they were eating, was, it was in the days of Noah, they were drinking and marrying and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now see the picture here as they were going through their life, they were eating breakfast and they're, they're eating lunch and they're having supper, they're drinking and the Bible says they're marrying and they're being given in marriage and they're, they're having parties to celebrate those marriage events, they're having those feasts and and they're having kids and, and really it's just telling us here they were going on through the course of life. These wicked people, this wicked generation, they are going on and they are living their life, they're moving through the course of life. Now see this from the picture. They were living their lives to the neglect of God. Be sure and understand that. Be sure and see that. They were living their lives. They're going through the course of their life, but they are living their lives to the neglect of God. Now, what that means is this. They were living as if there were no God. They had decided we're gonna do what we wanna do and whatever perverse thing we wanna do and whatever evil thing we wanna do, that's what we're gonna do. And we don't care if there's a God. They're living as if there were no God. They were living their lives to the neglect of God. Now see this, that's how they lived. Verse 27 says, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now the best that I can tell, I look in the Bible and I see the age when he started the ark. And I see his age when he gets on the ark. There's some that would say 120 years, but I believe it's 100 years that Noah builds the ark. And so I want you to see the picture here. They do what they want to do. They're eating, they're drinking. They're living in the neglect of God for a hundred years, a hundred more years. For a hundred years, they live and they dishonor God. For a hundred years, they live and they disrespect God. They disregard the living God. And the Bible says, and the flood came and destroyed them all. See this, they lived and they scoffed at the idea of God and they set aside and they laughed at the word of God, the commands of God and they could could care less about God until the day that the door was shut and the first drop fell and then a downpour started and the springs of the deep welled up and in God's judgment of sin, the Bible says, they were all destroyed. Jesus says, and so it will be in the days of the son of man. Now start to see the picture, see what Jesus is saying here. He is saying this, the second coming is gonna be a day of judgment. The second coming is gonna be a day of no more chances. The second coming, God's justice is gonna be served and destruction is going to rule that day. Listen to me, what it's saying is here on that day, there's not gonna be any longer any deliverance. The door is gonna be shut and waves of God's judgment are gonna come upon a wicked generation. That's what Jesus says. Verse 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. Now, see the picture here. It says the same as it was in the days of Noah. They're eating, they're drinking, they're buying, they're selling, they're planting, they're building. Now, it's a little bit different picture here in this verse. Now, just as they were in the days of Noah, they are living out the course of their life. They are living their lives, But see this, it's a little bit different. It says they are buying and they are selling, they are planting and they are building. Now see this, those are things you do for a future. They're building, they're planting, they're buying and they're selling. Listen to me, what this means is they were pursuing a future also to the neglect of God. They lived like there was no God. They could care less about the rule of God and they thought that they had gotten away with it. You know what, we'll live the way we wanna live and we're not considering him now. We're not gonna consider him in the future. What they're saying here in their actions is there is no God and if there is a God, he must be powerless and he must be impotent and we're gonna live the way that we wanna live and we're gonna do what we wanna do and if there is a God, he'll have to just deal with it. They're basically saying this is our world and we will run it and we have no concern for our creator God. Can you imagine the arrogance? Verse 29. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. This is literal from heaven and destroyed them all. There's a word here. It's in, it's in verse 27. It's also in verse 29. And it's the same Greek word used in both of those verses. And it's the word for destroyed. It's the Greek word apolumi. Apolumi. There are several meanings. Now here are some of the meanings. It means destroyed. It means cut off. It means fully, completely destroyed. It means to come to be lost. It means to experience a terrible end. And the most common meaning is to be killed. They rejected and they ridiculed the living God. They lived in wickedness. They lived in evilness. Those that were created in the image of God, they had marred His image in vileness and evilness and wickedness and they would rebelled against the holy God. They had rejected a holy God. They, to, they sought to disgrace a holy God and they're living their lives and they don't care about God and they think they had gotten away with it and they'd become okay with it and they were even complacent in it and then on one morning, fire and brimstone rains out of heaven and it falls on them and it burns them alive and they die in anguish and God's judgment was issued notice this see this before God's judgment we always see God's grace I want you to think about that. that's a terrible picture. We just looked at fire and brimstone rains out of heaven. But before we see God's judgment, we always see God's grace. Now, I want you to think about this ark, the ark of deliverance. Think about as they built this ark. And they're building this ark, and it takes 100 years, and they're, they're building this ark, and it is growing larger and larger and larger. They finish one layer, and they... They move and they start another layer. And the monument there is a monument to God's grace. That's what what the ark is. And the the monument to God's grace gets bigger. And the the monument to God's grace is is less avoidable. And they see it and it grows bigger. And it grows bigger. And and as they see it there, there's the ark of, of God's deliverance and it grows larger and larger. Oh, the grace of God is there and it's in their view. Oh, the door of the ark is still open. God's grace is available to them. A hundred years, they watched the monument to God's grace as it grows. The door's still open. It's offered to them. They rejected it. Thought about this this morning. For a hundred years, they lived in chaos. As a hundred years as they lived in sin, as a a hundred years as the monument loomed there in their midst, as they went about their day, they could hear a hammer fall. God's grace. Many generations later, the cross of Calvary, Jesus is now the monument to God's grace. He's now the ark of our deliverance. And on a day, on a day that he created, on a world that he created, on that day also there's a hammer that falls. It's God's grace shown through Jesus Christ. Think about Lot here. If you remember the account, you go back and read it. Abraham comes and he stands on a hill and he surveys Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, this was the richest part of the land. Remember, Lot chose it because it had the best grass. And he, he stands there and he sees these cities and he says, oh, oh, the God, that you wouldn't destroy them. Oh, oh, God, that you wouldn't kill them. If, if we could find but 50 people, would you spare them all? Don't kill them all. Yes, I'll spare them. Well, if you could find but 40 people, would you spare them all? Yes, I'll spare them all. If you can find but, but 30 or 20, Lord, if you, God, if you could just find 10 righteous people, oh, God, don't kill them all. Oh, that they would have turned. Oh, that they would have seen the God of their salvation as his grace stands and as they, they survey, oh, don't kill them all. Very sad picture in Genesis chapter 19, verse 27. says this. Now Abraham arose early in the morning, and he went to the place, he went to the hill where he had stood before the Lord. Verse 28. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all of the land of the valley, the best land. And it says this, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like smoke from a furnace. God's judgment was rendered. Look at verse 30. Jesus says it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. He's talking about himself. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed revealed. Now, I want you to see the picture here. See the picture, friends. So it will be. Get that. So it will be on that day that the Son of Man is revealed. Understand the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's not going to be shouts of joy. It's going to be shouts of anguish. On the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's not going to be another offering of God's grace, but rather it's going to be the rendering of God's justice. On the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's not gonna be an ark of deliverance. It is gonna be destruction upon destruction upon destruction and destruction that does not end. And Jesus says, and so it will be on that day. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it will be, Jesus says, on that day. Starting in verse 30, it now turns to application. With the, with the pictures now set, with the examples now set, Jesus now applies it. And he uses this context to describe that day. He uses these pictures to describe that day, on that day. Now let me show you some things. First is this. On that day, nothing else will matter. On that day, Nothing else will matter. Look at verse 31. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. The one that's on the roof, they had a flat roof in those days and they had some things in the house. You know what those things aren't gonna matter? Do not go down and try to get them. The one that's out in the field and your things are in your house, maybe your family's back at the house, it says it won't matter if you even try and go home. On that day, the door is shut. On that day, God's judgment is rendered. And listen to me on that day, nothing else will have mattered. Your job will not matter. Your wealth will not matter. Your status, your reputation, they will not matter. On that day, nothing else will matter. Verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife. Remember, Jesus says that, remember Lot's wife. Grave, very grave verse. In Genesis chapter 19, we have the story of Lot and his daughters and his wife. And they rush out of the city in God's grace. They, they rush out of the city in God's deliverance. The Bible actually says that some angels, those angels took them by the hand and were leading them out of the city. In verse 16, it says, for the compassion of the Lord was upon them. God's grace was upon them. The angels leading them out of the city. The angels say, do not look behind you. Do not look back. Verse 26, it says, but his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Now Lot's wife, she couldn't help evidently but to love the things of the world. She couldn't help but long for the things of the past and being rushed out and led to her salvation in the grace of God. She turns back and God's judgment is poured out and she is dead. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Maybe the greatest warning of our generation. While grace is still offered, remember Lot's wife. While the door of the ark, while salvation still stands, remember Lot's wife. On that day, nothing else is gonna matter. Remember Lot's wife. Oh, the things of the world, I'm gonna miss them. Oh, the things of the world, I prospered in them. Oh, I'm a big deal in the things of the world. Don't look back. Nothing else will matter. Second thing, on that day, the distinction will be made. On that day, a distinction will be made. Listen to verses 34 through 36. I tell you, on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, and the other will be left. <coughs> two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Verse twenty, verses thirty-four through thirty-six say this: There's going to be two, and one will be taken. There's going to be two in the bed. One's going to be taken. There's going to be two. At the meal, one's going to be taken. There's going to be two in the field. One's going to be taken. Now, think about this. Maybe they're great friends. Maybe they're related. Maybe it's a dad and a son and they're laboring there in the harvest and one of them is taken. Maybe it was two sisters that were laboring together in the meal and they're, they're there and they're laughing and they're talking in their work and one of them is left and one of them is taken. There are two, but one will be taken. I believe this, I believe the one that is taken, now listen to me, I believe the one that is taken is taken in judgment. It's not a person taken in deliverance as in the day of the rapture. This is a person taken in judgment. Now, this may not be what you would suppose on a quick reading of this, but I believe that person is taken away in judgment. And the reason I believe that's because of Verse 37. And answering, they said to him, where, Lord? They're going to be taken. Where are they going to be taken? Where, Lord? And he said to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. In Job chapter 39, at the end of that chapter, it says the vultures gather where the corpses rest. What it is saying is here is talking about the place of death, the place of, of, of suffering and death. They're going to be snatched away and taken to the their destruction. Matthew chapter 25 says on that day, the sheep are gonna be separated from the goats. Those that are saved, those of the fold, are gonna be separated from those who are lost, those who have no relation to the shepherd. Matthew chapter 13 says on that day, the wheat is gonna be separated from the tares. Those that are are saved are gonna be separated from the tares. The Bible says the tares are gonna be uprooted, jerked up and heaped in a fire and burned. The wheat is gonna be hauled to the barn. Listen to me, in God's judgment, a distinction is made. In God's final judgment, a line forever is drawn. And those saved by faith in Jesus as the Messiah will stand, not of their own works, but because of the grace of God shown through Jesus Christ. But those who are lost, those who have rejected the Son of God, the Bible is telling us in judgment, they're gonna be uprooted, they're gonna be pulled up, they're gonna be carried to an eternal destruction and destruction that does not end. The Bible says some are gonna say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus is gonna say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you sinner. I have no part of you. On that day, a distinction will be made, and the distinction will stand forever. Let me tell you something. If you're not saved, that ought to terrify you. You're trying to scare somebody into being saved? That's what the Bible says. If if I wasn't saved, I'd be terrified. I'm going to tell you something else. For those of us here that are saved, it ought to boil up. It ought to give us an urgency that there's going to be two and one's going to be taken. Is it going to be your family members? Is it going to be your neighbor? It ought to put an urgency on us. On that day, a distinction's going to be made and the distinction will stand forever. One last thing. On that day, the gospel would have made all the difference. Did you hear what I said? On that day, the gospel would have made all the difference. Hear me this morning as we begin to conclude, what's the difference between deliverance and destruction? What is it that makes the distinction? What's the difference between eternal life and death that has no end? What is it that makes the distinction? Listen to me, it is the gospel, it is the good news of Jesus Christ that makes the difference. Look at verse 33 again. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Now what that means is those who seek to keep their life, they wanna wanna hold on to their sinful and their sin-filled life. If they wanna keep their life somehow, they're gonna lose their life. If they wanna try to earn a salvation somehow out in the field, they're gonna lose that life. If they wanna somehow gain a salvation by the goods that are down in the house, they're gonna lose that life. If they wanna try to turn back as Lot's wife did, they're surely gonna lose their life. But what it is saying here, if you would lose... Lose your life, in the Greek, you would keep on in it, you'll be preserved in it. What it means is this, I will take my life, though it is of no count, and if I would give it to Jesus Christ, and if I would die to self, and if I would die to my will, and if I would die to my desire, and if I would die to my future, but then, but I would live in Jesus Christ, I will be saved. Listen to me, friends, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you would see that our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone and not of any work of man. If you would sit here today and say, I see I am a sinner and in my sin, destruction is my end. But I believe Jesus is my hope. I believe he is the savior for sin. And I place my faith in him. I place my trust in him. If you will do that, you will be saved and the gospel will have made all the difference. I long for a day to be in the presence of Jesus. I long for a world with no more sin. I long to see my dad. It comes to the cross and the savior of that cross, his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come on this day and we admit to you we are sinners ruined in our sin, having earned destruction, which you in justice will render. But in the light of that, we see the light of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see how kind you are. We see how gracious you are. We see your mercy that you would send your only begotten son and that he would stand in my place and take my destruction, that he would stand in our places as wicked, evil sinners and take your wrath. God, I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be that day, that this warning would sound in their hearts, that today they would put their faith in our Savior for sin, Jesus. I pray we wouldn't be ashamed. I pray we wouldn't wait for a later day. We would settle it on this day. I pray for those of us here who are believers. I pray as we hear the warning of your word that we would become urgent that we will become passionate, that we will become committed, that our eyes will be upon your mission, that those outside of Christ will be carried away to judgment. And The good news of the gospel is their only hope. Help us, Lord, to be urgent in that. God, I thank you that you're a God of justice. I'm thankful that heaven will be perfect because of your justice and your standard that does not bend. But for my sake, I'm thankful that you're a God of grace and mercy. Lord, I praise you, and I love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.